Turn with me in your Bibles, if you will, to Psalm chapter 46. Psalm chapter 46. Appreciate the opportunity to be back at Lehigh Valley Baptist. And uh, just let me tell you something that maybe not all of you are aware of, but this church is a very special church. Um, There's not a lot of churches. Uh, You've got missionaries in your church that have toured the United States and been in a lot of different independent Baptist churches. And if, you, if you're if you wondering if what I'm telling you is the truth, go ask Brother, Brother George. <laughs> uh, not all churches are like this church. This church is a very special place. You have very special, a uh, lot of very special people in this church, uh, some special men of God that lead this church. And um, God is really using this church in a great way. And this church has a global impact through your media ministries. And I know... Um, uh, we constantly, when we meet new people, especially English-speaking people, uh, we refer them to your YouTube page so that they can hear good, good teaching and preaching if they're not from our area. And anyways, we, we're constantly seeking to uh, send people this way, send people, uh, point people in this direction because it's, it's a very good, godly thing that's, that's going on here. And your church has been a huge blessing to us over the years. Uh, we were missionaries. It would be 10 years in May. Uh, and uh, you guys know our story. Uh, a lot of you, we were in Russia and then, and then kicked out of Russia. And then we went to Ukraine and then we left when the war started. And, and uh, it, this has been a, a, a pretty difficult time for, for us and our family. Um, uprooting uh, your family is, is not usually the easiest thing to do. Uh, and then this, this whole thing about uh, we thought that when we went to Ukraine that this was, oh man, it, everything was so much different in Ukraine. And we thought that, that God was definitely going to leave us here for the rest of our lives. And we were very content uh, to, to serve the Lord there the rest of our lives. And then you guys know what happened. And it, it looks like this war is going to be going on for a very long time. And, and uh, uh, anyways, it, it, being ripped from a country that you've come to love and, uh, and everything. Praise the Lord, the, the two missions works that we were able to start are still going on, still doing well. I've got the pictures from today's services. If you, if you don't believe me, they, they still, we're still mentoring those men over there. It's not like we've, we've kicked these people to the curb. They're actually continuing onward and forward. And now we've got a couple of our men. One of them is already back in the States and another one will be here in about a month. And we're going to be working with them and training them here and Lord willing, they'll be coming, going back with their families at the end of the war to continue and, and push those works onward and forward. And so uh, God's not done with what we started, what we were able to, by his grace, start in Ukraine. And, and uh, in fact, we had a couple people saved in the Kiev work just, a, just a, a two weeks ago. And so we praise the Lord for that. And so things are still happening, even in our absence. And we, we praise the Lord for, um, uh, for that. But uh, this psalm has become a very dear psalm to me because we, we have, you, if you know our story and, and a little bit of what I've said this evening, we have gone through some very tough times, some very difficult trials of faith. And, and I have a question for you. Uh, have you ever gone through a hard time? I know, I know that, that there are definitely several families in this church we know personally. You've gone through some very difficult trials, very difficult, uh, uh, as, as Peter calls them, fiery trials, trials of your faith, trials. Where do you go 
when your whole world is turned upside down? Where do you go when everything around you is falling apart? Where do you go when you feel like the roof is caving in? Where do you go when the ground around you is crumbling? Where do you turn in these times? Tonight, for just a few minutes, we're going to turn our attention to the Bible. And this is, this is the very place of Scripture that God used to calm my heart and has used in the past and continues to use whenever I go through difficult times. And I just want to share with you what God has used to help me uh, in the past. And, and, uh, and I bl- pray that it will be a blessing to you. So tonight we're looking at the 46th Psalm. This, is, this has become my favorite psalm in the whole Bible. This is one that I can run to in times of trouble to remind me uh, that God is my refuge uh, this is the refuge uh, to my soul when I've fallen on hard times. What's interesting is this psalm is the inspiration be- behind the old hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. Uh, Charles Spurgeon called this psalm the psalm of holy confidence. This psalm is known as a psalm of triumph. This psalm has been grouped with the songs of Zion. So uh, with all that in mind, let's, let's go ahead and read our text. Uh, Psalm 46, verse number 1 says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore will we not fear, though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof, Selah. There is a river, the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. God is in the midst of her, he shall not be moved. God shall help her, and that right early. The heathen raged, the kingdoms were moved, he uttered his voice, the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us, the God of Jacob is our refuge, Selah. Come behold the works of the Lord, what desolations he hath made in the earth. He maketh wars to cease unto the end of the earth. He breaketh the bow and cutteth the spear in sunder. He burneth the chariot in the fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge Selah. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to hear your word preached. Thank you so much for this wonderful psalm. Lord, I pray that we would all find solace in your word and in your truths and in your promises. Lord, encourage those here. uh, I don't know the situations, Lord, but there may be some here that are going through difficult times, maybe going through difficult trials. Lord, encourage us through your word this evening. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, Let's read verse number one again. It says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. This verse tells us that to us, to believers, God is three things to us. He's our refuge, he's our strength, and he's a very present help in trouble. So let's look at the first thing. God is our refuge. Uh, uh, Refuge, according to the dictionary, is that which shelters or protects from danger, distress, or calamity. A stronghold which protects by its strength or a sanctuary which secures by its sacredness. Any place, 
inaccessible to the enemy. That's a dictionary definition of a refuge. And the Bible tells us that God is our refuge. He is that which shelters or protects us from danger, distress, or calamity. He is that stronghold which protects us by His strength. He's a sanctuary that keeps us safe. He's a place that is inaccessible to the enemy. Psalm 32, 7 says, Thou art my my hiding place. Thou shalt preserve me from trouble. Thou shalt compass me about with songs of deliverance. God is our refuge. He's our place of safety in the middle of turmoil. Psalm 119, verse 114 says, Thou art my hiding place and my shield. I hope in thy word. The Hebrew word for uh, uh, this, this refuge is makaseh. And this, in, the, in the King James Version, it's translated as shelter, refuge, trust, or hope. It's translated those four different ways. So Christian, I have some good, good news for you this evening. God is your refuge. He is your shelter in the time of storm. He is your hiding place. He is your shield. He is your hope. He is the one that you can always trust in no matter what is going on. When trying times come into your life, where do you go? Where do you flee to? What, where do you turn for help in those times? Some people, whenever they, they get anxious, they turn to cigarettes. They start smoking. Some people turn to the bottle to drown their sorrows. Some people turn to food for comfort. Some people turn to various types of sin in their distresses, but not us, right? We will hope in the name of the Lord our God. We will turn to Him in our time of trouble or despair. So God is not just our refuge, but the verse says He's our refuge and strength. Christian, are you tired? Are you weak? Are you worn down? Are you weighed down by the cares and the tears of this world? Are you exhausted from the race that you have been running? Do you feel as if you do not have the capacity to continue in the way? Here's some good news for you. God is your strength. God will strengthen you to do what He has called you to do. Oh, Christian Father, weighed down by the responsibilities at work and at home, God is your strength. God will equip you to do what He's called you to do. Oh, Christian mother, maybe you're not sleeping well at night. My, my wife has that issue a lot with our kids, right? Maybe you're not sleeping at night. Maybe you're, you never get time to yourself. Maybe there's always pressures uh, in your family, in your life. There's always things to stress you out and to wear you out. God is your strength. God will never give you more than you cannot bear with His help. His desire is not for you to pull yourself up by the bootstraps. I don't even know how you do that. right? Or to motivate yourself to do your tasks. But for you to to rely on Him for strength during those times. God will help you. Maybe there's some aged saints here and you're struggling. You have health issues and, and the, even the menial tasks that you used to do easily are, have become very difficult for you. The Bible says here that God is your strength. Look to Him when you are in need and He will not fail you. Oh, weary soul, so weighed down with, with the cares and the struggles in this world, look to God. He alone will give you strength. God is not just a refuge. 
He is not just our strength, but he's also, verse number one tells us, a very present help in time of trouble. Now, the fact that God is our very present help in time of trouble is actually the tie that binds this whole verse together. It's the exclamation point at the end of the sentence. It's the spike of the football after a breakaway touchdown. Now, why is that? Because God is not just our help in time of trouble. He's a present help in time of trouble. He's not just a present help in time of trouble. He's a very present help in time of trouble. He's our Ezra. And that name Ezra means God is my help. God, the Bible tells us, is omnipresent. Psalm 139, verses 7 through 16 says, Whither shall I go from thy spirit? And whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost part of the sea, even there shall thy right thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the light shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike unto thee. The Bible says that God is everywhere. You can't hide from God. You can't go to a place where God is not. You go to heaven, God's there. You go make your bed in hell, God is there. God is omnipresent. This is the most important thing that's mentioned in this verse, is that God is a very present help in time of trouble. Because it's a good, it's a good fact that God is a refuge. But he's not just a refuge afar off. He's a very present refuge. How many soldiers died in battle because they were cut off from their refuge? Uh, how many, like you think of like medieval times, knights died in, in, in different fights because they were cut off from their supplies, cut off from their fortresses, right? Uh, I know one of the things that the, the Russian soldiers are doing right now is they're seeking to surround different brigades of, of Ukrainian soldiers, cut them off from their supply lines, cut them off from their support, cut them off from any, any uh, uh, chance of evacuation. And then, and then that's when they're taking over these Ukrainian, uh, Ukrainian villages and things like that. They don't have anywhere to turn. They don't have any help anywhere uh, outside of themselves and they have to give up or they have to fight to the death. And, and, and it's a very effective military strategy. But, but let me tell you this. God is not just a refuge. He's a very present refuge. Uh, God is a refuge that is near. Uh, we're not cut off from him and we cannot be cut off from him. What good is strength that is inaccessible? God is not just our strength. He is our very present strength. He's, he's there. He's there to give us strength. What good is an ice cold glass of water if you're separated from it by miles and miles of, of desert, right? It's good. You know, it's what, what, what good is that to me if I'm, if I'm uh, dying of thirst in the desert, if miles and miles uh, through sand and, and, and horrible terrain, there, there's a glass of water. But if the glass of water is there, then I can rejoice. God is not just our refuge. God is not just our strength, but he's a very present help in time of trouble. Now, look at verse number two. Therefore, we will not we fear. Therefore... Because God is our refuge, and because God is our strength, and because God is a very present help in trouble, we will not fear. Listen up. God's presence drives out all fear. 
God's presence drives out all fear. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Spurgeon said, with God on our side, how irrational would fear be? Where he is, all power is and all love. Why, therefore, should we quail? Friend, are you fearful tonight? Are you worried about the future? Are you fretting because of maybe what is going on around you? You need need a renewed sense of the very real presence of God in your life. Psalm 23, verse 4 says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For thou art with me. Why, why are we not afraid whenever we're in the valley of the shadow of death? Because our good shepherd is with us. He loves us and he takes care of us and he is with us during those difficult times. Psalm 27, 3 and 5 says, Though an host should encamp encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. The war should rise against me. In this will I be confident. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me upon a rock. Why are we not afraid whenever trying times come? Because God is with us and God's presence drives out our fear. If God is with us, even though a host should encamp against us, even though all the minions of hell are against us, we will not be afraid because we know that God is with us. The presence and the help of the Lord drives out all fear. Are you fearful, friend? Hope thou in God. That's what Psalm 42, 5 says. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Why are you so down? Uh, Why are you so discouraged? And then it says, Hope thou in God. For I shall yet praise Him for the help of His countenance. God is real. God shows up. That's talking about the help of His countenance. God shows us His face. God shows us His very real presence during those dark times in our life. And because of that, we hope in the Lord. And look at verses 2 and 3. It says, Therefore will we not fear, though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters that are of roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof. Can you imagine what is being talked about in verses 2 and 3? These verses talk about a cataclysm, the likes of which we will never see in, in this earth. Even in those apocalyptic circumstances, even if when it says, it says the earth be removed, that's not talking about the earth as like the planet earth, but the ground underneath our feet is removed and the mountains are lifted up and thrown into the sea or thrown into the ocean. Can you imagine the, the, a cataclysm where, where the earth opens up underneath our feet, the mountains are thrown into the sea? We're talking about a total end of the world catastrophe. All right. Even in those circumstances, it says, even if everything that I uh, trusted in, even if everything that was stable and firm around me was shaken and I was in a great state of uncertainty, I will not fear. Why? Because God is my refuge and he is my strength and he is a very present help in trouble. 
A Christian can stay calm in the midst of the most severe of storms, knowing that God is his refuge and strength, a very present help in time of trouble. A Christian can stay confident uh, on the seas of life, even though they roar against him, even though they beat hard against the ship, because he knows that God is his refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. A couple can rejoice even in God's taking of their unborn child because they know, even though they're greatly hurt, even though they sense a a great loss, they know that God is their refuge and strength, a present help, a very present help in time of trouble. A man can lose his job and stay faithful and joyful in the Lord, knowing that God is his refuge and strength, a very present help in time of trouble. Listen to this quote. Alps and Andes may tremble, but faith rests on a firmer basis uh, and is not to be moved by swelling seas. Evil may ferment, wrath may boil, and pride may foam, but the brave heart of holy confidence trembles not. Great men who are like mountains may quake for fear in times of great calamity, but the man whose trust is in God needs never to be dismayed. May that be said of each one of us. Amen. Even if the world is literally turned upside down, we will not fear. Even if everything that is near and dear to us is lost, we will not fear. Why? Because we have God. God is with us. We have Christ. Let me tell you something, Christian. If you were to lose everything and everyone who is precious in your life, you still have everything. Because if you have Christ, you have everything. Christ is all that you need. He's the pearl of great price. His gospel and what he's done for us. Whenever we see the the beauty and the value of Christ, everything else in this world pales in comparison. We say, I'm willing to give up everything that I have and anything that I could ever get in order to obtain this wonderful pearl of great price. I I, I realize that everything in this world is, is, is nothing in comparison to knowing God. And God has promised he will never leave us and he will never forsake us so let them take your your cars let them take your house let them take your job let them take your health let them take those that are near and dear to you but you will not be shaken because God is with you he is a very present help in trouble oh to know him oh to be loved by him oh to sense his presence oh to be his child he is all that I Need. He's all I want. He is all I desire. Look at verses 4 and 5. There is a river. The streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her, and that right early. These verses point us to the unstableness of man's world and the stability of God's world. We see in verses 2 and 3 that only death, destruction, misery, and famine, and peril are in the world that we live in. But where God is, there is peace and there is safety. Notice the waters of the oceans are all troubled and distressed in verse number 3. But in verse number 4, the rivers and the streams of the city of God are peaceful. And they make those who are in the presence of them glad. Let me tell you this. 
young people, and, and, and this is more, more to young people, right? Young people, the world may look pleasant, but it only brings turmoil and distress. Only God brings peace and joy. There are two streams of water that we can partake of. The waters of the world or the waters of the Lord. The waters of the world will bring panic and turmoil. The waters of the Lord will bring calmness of heart and true joy. In verse 2, we see everything is being destroyed. The earth is being thrown into the sea, the mountains with them. However, the city of God, the place where God's presence is, it will not be moved. Everything will be destroyed. Only the place where God exists, where God resides, will be in safety. Psalm 93 verse 4 says, The Lord on high is mightier than the noise of many waters, yea, than the mighty waves of the sea. How near is the Lord to the sorrows and the troubles of his saints. Please look with me at one more text. Usually I I stay in one text, but I want you to look at one text real quick. Acts chapter 9. Look at Acts chapter 9. You keep a finger in Psalms 46. We're going to go right back there. But I want to show you a a truth that I have read many, many times that I never really understood until just recently. But God counts the suffering of his saints, the sufferings of his saints, as his own sufferings. And one of the places where we see this is in Acts chapter 9. And I want you to read, I want you to see with your own eyes this verse. Okay, these these verses. Acts 9, we're going to read 1 through 5. And Saul... This is the Saul that became Paul, persecuting the the church in Jerusalem, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if found any of this way, the way of the Lord, the way of Christ, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. So in verse number one, he says he was breathing out threatenings and slaughters against who? The disciples of the Lord, right? That's that's what your Bible says, right? Okay, that's what mine says. Okay, we're on the same page. Verse number three. And as he journeyed, he came near to Damascus, and suddenly there shined uh, round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting the disciples of the Lord? Wait. What does he say? Why are you persecuting me? Now, Christ was not physically present on the earth at that time. But Christ, Jesus Christ, and when he goes to the Apostle Paul, we see in verse number 1, he's breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, Christians. And then Christ tells Saul, 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 why are you persecuting me? God is so near and dear to our sorrows that he counts our sorrows As his very own. Look at the next verse. And he said, this is Saul, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I I, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. He's not persecuting Jesus. He's persecuting the disciples of Jesus. But Jesus is counting those sufferings as his sufferings. Interesting, right? God is so near and dear to us in our sufferings. He counts our sufferings sufferings as his sufferings look at verse number five at the end it says and that right early God shall help her and that right early let me tell you God's help is never late maybe you think it is maybe you've been praying for a while for peace in the midst of a 
trial in your life. And you think, where is God? Where is God? Why isn't he answering? Why isn't he doing what I desire him to do? The Bible says God's help is early. God knows when you need the help that you need. And you may think that God is delaying, that God has left you in your sorrow and your pain, but he has not. The Bible tells us that his help will come early. His help will come before it is needed. Verses 6 and 7. The heathen raged, the kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice, the earth melted. Wow. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. When we hear that the heathen rage, we should think of Psalm chapter 2. Psalm chapter 2 verses 1 through 5 says, Why did the heathen rage? And the people imagine a vain thing. The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. So this is talking about all of the nations of the earth gathering against God and seeking to war with God. How does God react to all of the nations of the world, all the armies of the world gathering against him to to cast off his yoke from them, right? To, to, To get rid of this God that suppresses them. The Bible says, he that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. Amen. I mean... A few little ants over here, you know, you're not, you're not going to worry about that. You know, you, you could take care of those really easy. Uh, the Bible's God is so much stronger than, than the mightiest of all the armies of the earth together. The Bible says, he uttered his voice, the earth melted. Psalm chapter 2, it says, he that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh, the Lord shall have them in derision. He shall speak unto them in his wrath and vex them in his sore displeasure. You may think that the people in this earth are mighty and powerful, but they are nothing in comparison to our mighty God. All the armies of the earth assembled together in satanic wrath before the Lord. Their weapons of mass destruction, their nukes, their atomic bombs, the latest and greatest technological advances, they will not be able to fight against our Lord. All he does is utter his voice and the earth melts. Verse number 7. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Salah. Who's with us? The Lord of hosts, the Lord that rules the angels, the stars, the elements, and all the hosts of heaven, and the heaven of heavens, they are under His power. He is the Lord of hosts. Verse number 8 and 9. Come behold the works of the Lord. What desolations he hath made in the earth. He maketh wars to cease unto the end of the earth. He breaketh the bow and cutteth the spear in sunder. He burneth the chariot in the fire. Who's in control? (laughs) Who's sovereign over everything? Our God is. That's what verses 8 and 9 says. Look and see how the mighty have fallen. Look at the destruction of the Lord's enemies. Take a peek at the end of the proud. Gaze upon the obliteration of all of those who stand against our God. Because our God is king. He is the sovereign ruler over the universe. He will not share his glory with anyone. And all of his enemies will be utterly destroyed. The bows that they trusted in, 
he will break. Those spears that they hoped would get them the victory, he will cut in two. Their pride and joy, their chariots, their chariots at those times, they were like tanks, right? So in our modern warfare, right? So the chariots that they trusted in, that they hoped would get them the victory, God burned with fire. Nothing and no one can stay God's hand. Romans 8, verses 31 through 39 says, What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? That's a rhetorical question. (laughs) No one, right? It says, shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? And the way it's written, you have to answer in the negative, right? You can't, no, not, not, not tribulation, not distress, not persecution, not famine, not nakedness, not peril, and not sword. So nothing can separate us from the love of Christ, And then he says at the end, For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen? God is the victor. If you are on the Lord's side, you are on the winning side. Look at verse 10. Be still. Man, that's hard to do in the midst of our busy lifestyles. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. Matthew Henry said, Let his own people be still. Let them be calm and sedate. And tremble no more, but know to their comfort that the Lord is God. He is God alone, and He will be exalted above the heathen. Let Him alone. Leave Him alone to maintain His honor, to fulfill His own counsels and support His own interest in the world. Though we be depressed, let us not be dejected, for we are sure that God will be exalted and that He will satisfy us. He will work for His great name, and then no matter what becomes of our little names, right? God is going to work everything out in the end. And we are sure of that. We know what is going to happen. And we know that that even though we endure difficult times in this life, every single difficult thing that we endure, the Bible tells us in Romans 8.28, it works together for good. If you're a Christian, if you're a Christian, everything that you encounter in your life works together for your good and for God's glory. Christian, instead of whenever we encounter these troubling times, instead of us being distressed and discouraged, we should be still. We should be calm. All right, Matthew Henry says, be sedated, right? So, like, be, be put ourselves in a calm, peaceful state of mind. And how do we do that? We say, God, I know you're in control. I don't understand everything. I don't understand why you have allowed this to happen. I don't understand 
why this person is no longer in my life anymore. I don't understand why you have taken us from the country that, that we love to minister in. I don't understand why this or that is happening. Why I've lost my job uh, or anything. I don't understand these things. But I understand that you are in control. And I understand that you have a plan. And you're working everything according to the counsel of your will. And you're seeking to get the glory in my life. So I don't understand why you're doing it. But I know that you're in control. And I'm going to trust in you. And I know that you're my refuge. And I run to you whenever I'm in a time of trouble and you're my help and and you're that you're, you're my strength and you're a very present help in time of trouble Christian let's be still let's be calm let's tremble no more let's worry and fret no more let's take comfort in the fact that God is God be still and know that I am God verse 11 the Lord of hosts is with us the God of Jacob is our refuge, Silah. Now, wait, wait we've, we've heard this before. That's verse number seven. Just repeat it again. Is it not? Word for word, that's verse number seven. All right? So we've heard this before. You know, it's interesting how very important things in the Bible are repeated. In fact, my, my children and I were noticing recently, we were going through the book of Matthew in our, nightly, or in our daily devotions, and uh, we noticed how many times Jesus told his disciples about how he was going to die and uh, 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 be crucified and then be raised again the third day, several times, and he repeats it over and over and over again, yet when Jesus dies, the disciples don't know what's, what's going on, right, what's going on, why, uh, and they start fretting and they start worrying about what's going on, Jesus already told him, he already repeated that to them. Several times. You know, I think sometimes we're pretty hard-headed. <laughs> and we need to have those promises repeated to us. Right? God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. And twice, in verse number 7 and verse number 11, it says, The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. We need to be reminded of this fact. We need to be reminded that the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. If you're a Christian, you could say, the Lord of hosts is with me. The God of Jacob is with me. He's my refuge. This psalm encourages us to hope and to trust in the Lord. To trust in His power, in His providence, in His gracious presence with His people throughout the worst and most difficult of times. And this psalm directs us to give God the glory for what He has done for us and what He will do. Instead of God's people panicking when things go awry, we should be still. We should be calm. We should be at peace. You know, this time for our family has not been the easiest. We kind of feel like everything has been turned upside down for us, like the earth has been removed for us, the mountains have been cast into the uttermost part of the sea, right? I've, what we've strived to do is to look to this psalm for comfort in, in our difficult time, for calm in the midst of this storm, knowing that God is our refuge and strength and a very present help in trouble. There's a trinity of reminders here. Verses 1, verse 7, and verse 11. In the beginning, in the middle, and all the way in the end, that God's people are to trust in Him because He is with us and He is our refuge. Christians, God is our stability in an unstable world. So Christian, where do you turn to when your world is turned upside down? 
Where do you find your hope? I'm going to repeat Psalm 42.5. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God. For I will yet praise him for the help of his countenance. If you're here and you don't know Christ, no wonder your life is a mess. No wonder you're struggling with, with bouts of depression. No wonder you're struggling with, with this, this sense of inner turmoil all the time. Because you have nowhere to turn to. The God of Jacob is not your refuge. He's not your help. He's not a very present help in time. He's not your strength. He's not a present help in your time of trouble. But the good thing is, is that God is always willing and ready to accept any and all who come to him in humble repentance and faith. We, we turn from our way and we go his way and we, we admit that we're wrong, that we're sinners, that we're in need of his grace. And we come to him and we, and we seek forgiveness in him. And the Bible tells us he'll give it. He'll give it to any and all that come to him. Come to Christ today and receive this help that God gives to his people. And if we're here and we're God's people, I hope that we were reminded this evening that God is our refuge and our strength and our very present help in time of trouble. Therefore, we will not fear.